0: Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hello, hello, my friends. I am so excited you are joining us today for another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you are returning, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. I am so glad you are here. Each week, we bring you the hottest topics coming from professionals in the field, those living with breast cancer, and so much more. Today, I am excited as part of our NBC series, Spearheaded by Abigail Johnston. We are bringing on the guest, Viviana Artau, Vice President of Silver League Benefits Group. Viviana is the co-founder of Silverlink Benefit Group, a South Florida-based health insurance agency. She has 12 years of experience in the health benefits consulting field and has been a health insurance broker contracted with the most major health insurance companies for the past decade. Prior to joining the industry, she worked in marketing for a multinational company such as the Walt Disney Company and Newell Rubbermaid. Viviana has a business degree in marketing and international studies. Servicing others is her biggest motivation. Welcome to the conversation.
1: And what we're gonna focus on today is Medicare. We'll we'll touch on some of the other options generally um, as we're talking, but Viviana is a broker that specializes in Medicare. And um, we'll have a lot of things to say because I've been sending her all kinds of people for the last couple of years. So she's become a de facto expert Mm -hmm. on so many of the things that we deal with with NBC, besides being a friend and hearing the stuff that I'm going through. So let me just set the stage here before we we get into things with Viviana. So for those of us who are diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, uh, we are then eligible for Social Security disability after the five-month waiting period. After being on Social Security Disability for 24 months, then we are eligible for, for Medicare. Now, that's how you get to Medicare before 65. If you're, you're aging into Medicare, it's a whole other thing. But, but basically, once we get there, whether it's through waiting the waiting periods or whether it's by age, then we enter into a whole other world that Viviana lives in. And so my, my, all of my recommendations, and if anybody has listened to any of these webinars, you know that getting experts to help guide you through these very unfamiliar places, through these very unfamiliar experiences is so important. Not just because it's unfamiliar, but also because everything that we do to treat metastatic breast cancer affects our ability to think, affects our ability to reason. And so getting to true experts people who are not going to take advantage of us, is is so important. So with all that being said, that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: Thank you, Abigail, for that thorough introduction. Viviana, can I turn things over to you and have you introduce yourself?
1: Well, hi.
2: Thank you so much, Abigail, for this opportunity. And as she mentioned, um, we have been friends over the years, and I've definitely had the opportunity to speak to some of them. And I am very passionate about what I do. I am a broker. I first started my career working for a specific carrier, but I would always find myself that I couldn't guide the person throughout the whole process, but I could because I couldn't represent all the carriers. So as a broker, I have the opportunity to just have my license with all the carriers out there at least in South Florida so I can definitely assist the person offering them all the products out there. Cause I really believe there's not the best company out there. It's just what, just finding the right fit for the person, not just in the carrier, but in what type of product. So I'm, I'm very passionate at what I do. And I really feel that I can help people. And definitely I, I, I am very grateful, you know, for this opportunity to be here today and
0: answer any questions. When you say carriers, what does that mean? What are carriers?
2: Okay, the carriers are the different insurance companies. I used to work for a company that is now part of United Healthcare. So, definitely I would speak to all Medicare beneficiaries more towards United Healthcare, but now I have the opportunity to have my license with all the carriers, not just United Healthcare, just the competitors, and be able to offer not just Medicare Advantage plans, but all products
1: out there for people that do have Medicare. Okay, so you talked about licenses. What kind of licenses do you have to have in order to be a broker?
2: Well, I do have um, health and life um, license uh, two hundred and fifteen with the state of Florida. So, um, if you are a broker. Insurance agent, you have to be licensed with your state or different states. So, in my um, case, I am licensed in Florida. So, that's where I can definitely okay. guide people um, in, in, with insurance. Yes, in the state of Florida. Okay.
1: So, no matter where you are looking for a broker in your state, that broker having a license is something that you would want to ask for or want to make sure that you're talking to somebody with a license
2: definitely the person has to have an insurance license there are telemarketers out there that do reach out to people but those are not the the insurance agents are more the telemarketing team so yeah you definitely have to have a license in the state to be able um to discuss benefits and, and enroll somebody in a plan definitely
1: when i was eligible for for medicare once i got to the end of that waiting period i got mailers i got calls i mean it was it was a little overwhelming how many people were trying to talk to me about selecting things. And um, under the circumstances, I knew what I wanted. And I knew what I didn't want. But how important is it to make sure that you're talking to somebody who's appropriately licensed versus these telemarketers that are calling?
0: Yes, I can imagine there is so much to like research and understand what the options are.
2: You should make sure that you spend the time to research, to speak to your providers, um, to have your list of medications. And that does take time and research. So if you just get one phone call and you you need to make sure um, if you haven't done the research yet, there is the possibility, and you can enroll over the phone nowadays. So you need to make sure and understand that that if somebody's going to call you in, there's always the chance that they're enrolling you in an insurance plan. You know, so um, you always need to be aware of that. They will ask you, the telemarketers, um, if you would like to speak to a licensed agent. So they will ask you about that, and if you agree to it. But you got to be aware that you can actually do the enrollment over the phone. I definitely do not recommend if you haven't done your research to just be swayed by one phone call, because it is a very important decision. And there are different enrollment periods. So you can't just make one decision one day and then switch for the next month. You really got to do your homework and be aware that you can sign up. Over the phone, and that is a challenge that I've had. Some of my clients, um, the family members, reach out to me because they didn't notice that they enrolled actually over the phone in a plan. So everybody's got to be aware of that. That that is very possible.
1: And again, because the medication that we're on for MBC often affects our ability to reason or or listen or understand, these cognitive issues are definitely there. So important to be talking to somebody who is. Uh, really has your best interest in mind. So Viviani, you talked about doing research um, in order to um, know what you you need or what it is best for you. What kind of research does the patient need to do before they talk to somebody like you?
2: Have a primary care physician in mind because sometimes they are important for HMOs, specialists, also facilities, hospitals. You gotta make sure that they all accept your health insurance plan. That's very important. Also, you got to list all your medications, prescription drug, any type of chemotherapy, anything that's part of your treatment plan, because companies do have different um, contracts with um, pharmaceutical companies. So you got to make sure that your um, specific prescription drug is going to be covered by the company. Yes, doctors could submit exceptions, but that's not really the ideal case, you know, the cases that you have your list of providers, prescription drugs, any type of um, hospital, chemotherapy, and also your budget is important because there are different products out there. There are products that you do pay a monthly premium in addition to your Part B, which is what you pay to the government. So depending on your budget, you got
1: to accommodate to that as well. I'm sure that all of us have met somebody who transitioned onto Medicare and then was astonished that their medication cost two, three, four thousand dollars a month in copays, and so this is where working with somebody like Viviana would take that surprise out of the equation because you literally gather your situation, and then a broker helps you to back into the right supplements or the right policies for you.
0: Viviana, you mentioned Part B. Can you start at the beginning with part A and walk us through what all of these parts are?
2: Part A, everybody, um, as soon as they sign up on Medicare, either is through disability or aging in because they've completed all the hours um, before retirement. Part A um, covers anything that has to do with emergency or skilled nursing facility or, or rehab. And then part B has to do with anything related to. Any of your doctor's appointments, any planned surgeries, any physical therapy, any type of therapy, that's where the part B comes in. And then part C would be if you decide to join in a Medicare Advantage plan that takes care of both part A and part B. And then Part D, as in David, would be if you don't want the Part C, which is the Medicare Advantage plan, you just want to stay open Medicare, then you have A, B, and D, as in David, which is the prescription drugs, okay? Always make sure you have to at least have Part D, as in David. So you have to have Part A, Part B, which you enroll in, and Part C or D if you don't get part D, you would have an, a penalty. So everybody needs to be aware of that. It's not a very high amount or substantial amount, but if you just decide to stay in open Medicare, with just A and B, if you were to join a prescription drug plan, let's say years later, after you join Medicare, you would have a penalty. So it's always very important for people to have at least a prescription drug plan if
1: they decide to stay with open Medicare. You know, we, we progress, we change drugs. And, um, you know, sometimes we, we don't even know what medications we might be going to in the future. We're not talking about a, a plan that takes only speci- or only covers specific drugs, We're talking about a class of drugs, right? And most of our chemotherapeutic drugs would fall in it's the tiers, right? They fall in the highest tier, most of them.
2: Yes, there's a lot of prescription drugs, Um, the ones that that are prescribed that you go to a pharmacy to, let's say, to pick them up, you know, um, that would be part D, you know, a lot of them could fall into tier five, which is usually a 33% coinsurance, but a lot of chemotherapy, chemotherapy falls on on part B, as in boy, which if you were to join a Medicare Advantage plan, usually is 20% coinsurance up to your maximum out of pocket with the plan, at least here in Florida. So if somebody were to come to me and they say, I'm on chemotherapy, I would definitely try at least my best to find a plan with the lowest out of pocket that has all of their doctors, because that means the most they would pay in a year is that out of pocket for chemotherapy can we find a plan that has all their doctors? That's part of the search, you know, it's just to see what the priorities are. You know, if you have the budget, maybe you could go for a PPO, but if you don't have a budget, if you have more of a limited budget, an HMO could work too. I just want people to be aware that with an HMO, you do need a referral to see a specialist. So it's really kind of, it's part of looking also at the budget as well, you know, and, and accessibility to, to doctors.
0: I understand that Medicare is federal, but then there's also some more granular nuances at the state and city levels. Can you talk to us a little bit about those nuances?
2: A lot of the HMOs, let's say, for example, HMOs are a lot of based on even counties, you know, not even like PPOs could be on a state level. So it's really, and then supplements, which are the ones that you pay a premium. Those are more nationwide but then you're going to pay more for prescription drugs. Okay. So if you want to go and say, let me analyze when I can spend the least on medication, you're going to look more at county, like based on your county. Um, and you're going to have more centralized care in your county, in your area. So if you're a person that wants to have the choice of of seeing a facility outside of even your county, then maybe an HMO is not an option for you. But you will pay more. You know, in general terms, you will pay more for that access to be outside. But definitely, it's more centralized, even on county level, for Medicare Vantage plans, for sure.
1: Okay. So, so, it, so Medicare is a federal program. It's established by the federal government. We have access to Medicare because we pay into Medicare as as we're working. And um, Viviana referred to hours uh, before. So, that however many hours you've put in, you get vested by working so much time, and and then you have access to it um, once once you age into Medicare. Most of us are going to have access to it because of disability. But again, yes. it goes back to what we paid in, right? In Social Security, what we what we get in a monthly payment is based on what we paid in. With, with Medicare, there are some things there as well. So, so that's like the eligibility for it, right? So the big picture part. And then we get down to the more specifics, which are the different parts or the different insurance companies that have contracted with Medicare in your particular area. And then there's how many doctors in a particular specialty take Medicare in your area. So if you are living in a more rural area, you might have access to say one rheumatologist, Is that that right, Viviana? And then in a city, you might have access to 20, right? That is
2: correct. Unfortunately, it's it's not fair, you know, to be honest. You know, if you live in a rural area, you're not going to have the access somebody here in Miami-Dade County has. That's just, honestly, that's just the reality. You know, somebody, people here that have HMOs in Miami definitely have more access access to care and pay less with an HMO that somebody that lives more in like the Northern part of Florida, which is less populated and they're gonna be, have less access, you know and they're gonna end up more likely paying more, unfortunately, you know, but but that is the truth. You know, um, if you live in a higher concentration of people who are on disability and over 65, which Miami is one of them, you're definitely gonna have more access to 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 healthcare um uh but if you live in a rural area i would probably discuss with that person um a ppo you know it you might pay a little bit more but you might have definitely access to um doctors of course outside of your area that you can travel that you can go see them with the ppo and you don't need the referrals to see a specialist
0: so it's complicated Highly individual and bottom line, why it's so important to see someone like Viviana and to speak with a broker about your options.
1: If you are somebody who is newly eligible for Medicare, how, how would that person find a broker? What are the avenues to get to a broker? OK,
2: Um Definitely, you know, if you have access to a computer, as easy as just doing a search for a health insurance agency in your area. If you go to a health insurance agency, not call or reach out to a carrier, you're most likely, of course, you're going to find a broker and somebody that has their license with multiple carriers. Also, through primary care physicians, um, like, for example, part of my work is reaching out to uh, primary care physicians. because. That way I can help their patients. And if they need any assistance, he refers them to me. They always have to call me in. That's part of the Medicare regulation that the person calls me. But definitely we drop drop off business cards, you know, we establish relationships with primary care physicians. We might with specialists, but honestly, is more targeted to the primary care physicians. Um, where we focus our, our
1: marketing efforts as far as just being out there. So somebody who is probably on Social Security disability, on a fixed income, may also qualify for a Medicaid plan as well. And then Medicaid and Medicare work together, I was encouraged people to check because you might think you don't
2: qualify for Medicaid, but you should at least try it and, and reach out because it could make a humongous difference in in your, um, the cost for your, for your medicine, for your chemotherapy, it could definitely help. And I love it when I find out that somebody qualifies, and I can help them. And I know that uh, that is very important. And I could give them so much peace of mind. If they qualify for Medicaid, don't ever pay for anything unless you really find out why they're charging that because they do that a lot, especially in the emergency room. People go in the emergency room, a lot of my clients, and they just charge them for that copay and they don't have to pay for it. So I always tell them, no, don't pay for it. Have with you your Medicaid number. You have your Medicare, you have an insurance card, but also have your Medicaid number. Make sure you have that with you. So every anybody ever wants to charge you something, you make sure you provide that number.
0: I think the other thing that's really important to note here is getting to know your pharmacist, whether that's your pharmacist at Walgreens, CVS, or at your cancer center. Having a relationship with this person can really help. Not only fulfill your prescriptions, but make sure that you're being billed properly as well. And so many people don't know that most hospitals have an internal pharmacist. So instead of going externally to you know, a Walgreens or CVS, sometimes it is convenient to be able to pick up your medications when you're getting treatment at your hospital and utilizing their pharmacist as well.
1: It's the pharmacist who really does get it. So just as a a tip, the other thing that we encountered recently, again, my father-in-law on Medicare and Medicaid. Um, went to the hospital and we got a whole bunch of bills. Now, my husband carries power of attorney for my father in law, and they often died. Oh, my husband must be responsible. So I call them, like, we don't owe this money. And somehow they had not inputted my father in law's Medicaid. So all they were looking at was Medicare. So, uh, you know, exactly. So, so true that you have to know what you have that covers you. And then you need to always assume that the person is not malicious, that the person is just ignorant, that we must educate them on on the information. But that's hard when it's your medicine that you absolutely need.
0: I love that we crowdsource all of our webinars and podcasts and live streams on our social media. So that way we can have really meaningful conversations here today. If you're not already following us on Twitter, our handle is SPC underscore ORG. And on Instagram, it is survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word. Abigail, do you want to answer some of the questions we've been getting in?
1: Annie was asking about medications where it might be important to get the manufacturer of the treatment involved. So I know Annie is talking about infusions. That should not be a time where you should be having to worry about having a big copay if you're on Medicare because infusions are paid under Part B. However. If there's medication that you have that's oral, that's when um, you know say you're prescribed um, iBrands and Pfizer is the manufacturer. If you are on Medicare, you don't you don't qualify for the copay assistance program through Pfizer. However, Pfizer has a foundation. Uh, Novartis has a foundation. Seattle yes. Genetics has a foundation. All of them have foundations, and there's a process of getting that covered. So Viviana, as a broker, is that something that you help people with, like? Find the right foundation to ask for help from? Or is that something that patients typically handle with their doctors?
2: Yeah, honestly, like I don't deal with foundations, but I always make sure to tell everybody, please don't just don't just assume you have to pay the 20%, which at least here in Florida is what you pay. Ask your specialists. You know, there are there is help out there, there are foundations. Um, Abigail is right. You know, when you are in a Medicare plan, it's more likely that you're going to help get help from a foundation, not a manufacturer, but don't rule anything out. Just try everything, try to get help, you know, through the manufacturer. If they turn you down, your specialist is definitely your biggest advocate. You know, the admins people that work there at the specialist office. And, um, also applying for low income subsidy, at least here in Florida, which is help with medicine. So, definitely that's something you should ask if you qualify for. It. That's definitely helpful.
1: Absolutely. Yes. So, um, let's talk about enrollment periods. You mentioned enrollment periods. Sounds like there's more than one. Let's talk about those. Yes. Okay, sure. Um, when you're first
2: eligible for Medicare, you definitely have an opportunity to enroll there. Um, When you get your part A and part B, you have those three months before and three months after to enroll in an insurance plan. Um, Let's say during those first three months, you try an insurance plan. You are not happy with your insurance plan. You have the opportunity to switch. So you have three months to make another decision to switch to another insurance plan, which is good. You know, Um, you have that flexibility. Also, every year, there's an annual enrollment period from October 15 to December 7 when you can make changes. Um, it could be either if you're on a Medicare Advantage plan or if you're in a supplement with a prescription drug plan, you can also change uh, from a supplement to a Medicare Advantage plan or vice versa. There, there is also another enrollment period that a lot of people don't know about, which is from January 1st to March 31st, which is for beneficiaries who have a Medicare Advantage plan. They have the opportunity to switch to another Medicare Advantage plan. And there's also special elections periods. Let's say you move to another state or even another county. You're always going to have a special election period where you can transition to another Medicare Advantage plan or another supplement plan within that 60-day period. Um, also there are plans that have five stars from Medicare that you can enroll in them all year round.
1: Okay. So that, that sounds somewhat complicated, uh, to know (laughs) any of those things. So is there, is there a time where you get notification of this, where you can put that deadline on your calendar, or is this just something where you got to go talk to a broker to make sure what, what, what you need to do when?
2: You're going to see a lot of advertisements, definitely on TV, and you're going to see a lot of people reaching out to you, most likely between um, the October 15 to December 7 period. That's really the period where everybody kind of like make decisions for the following year because the plan would become effective on January 1st. So that's really the main one. Um, As far as January 1st to March 31st, we don't really um, insurance companies can't really advertise it. It's just more that enrollment period was recently created for people. If they're not happy with the choice they made for January 1st, they can switch. They can switch one time. But really the main one okay. is from October 15 to December 7. That's really the main one. Um And not to make things more complicated, but yeah, the five-star plans, Medicare does give um, Medicare Advantage plans different ratings. So if somebody gets a five-star, that's the biggest rating that you can get. So then they have, the insurance company has the opportunity that anybody who would like to join that plan, they could do it any time of the year. Um, So that would depend on the carrier um, and the state who has that, the five stars.
1: Okay. So again, good to have somebody that you can connect with, can interface with, and they can help you find those five-star plans. Is that something you could just Google? Like who has a five-star? Yeah, you know, you
2: can, you can, um, the five-star plans. And also I forgot to mention, uh, people that have diabetes and cardiovascular disease, they can also join plans that have, um, diabetes and cardiovascular options. And you can join in any time of the year that was created because uh, somebody has diabetes or any cardiovascular, they might have uh, medications or things that change throughout the year. Hopefully they can do that for cancer too. I think it's very important. Um, and that was created for that, you know, somebody's treatment could change in the middle of the year. So they have the opportunity to navigate and go to other plants that might accept their new medications. For example, you know, or maybe their specialist okay. left. Um, the specialist specialist no longer has a contract with that insurance company, so they're able to go to another insurance company. And if they prove they have um, diabe- diabetes or any cardiovascular disease, they could join a plan that accepts people that have diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And again, hopefully, um, they would add um cancer to that group so somebody's able to change during what is called lock in
1: you know okay so that happens quite a bit in this population right we have progression we change to a different medication we change to a different modality of medication and so always double checking and asking you know it, is this plan still the best plan for me in my situation in what I have to be on now, and then the possibility of perhaps making some adjustments. Diabetes and
0: cardiovascular health also can be side effects from the long-term use of our chemotherapy drugs and oral chemo that we've been on, not to mention radiation.
1: You know, we have hyperglycemia and are on all kinds of diabetic-type medications because of our medication, or our hearts are damaged because of the the medication that we have to take, specifically the red devil, if any of you have had that, Um, cardiovascular disease can show up five to 10 years after. Um, I'm just hitting five years after my session with adriomycin, so I'll be seeing a cardiologist soon. Um, So remember that a lot of times we have diagnoses that are relative to the side effects of the treatment for MBC, and that might qualify us for these different um, options. Maureen was asking a question here about she moved to Florida in November, um, and did she have to notify her, um, Blue, it was Blue Cross Blue Shield that she was on, did she have to notify them that she moved and enroll separately in Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida? Um, okay, so what, what about when you're moving from state to state? Yeah, what are the responsibilities of the individual?
2: The first step is you need to notify Social Security and Medicare. That is the first step. Once you notify them, you have a, um, a window of 60 days to find a new plan in your area. Because if you're in an HMO, you definitely, definitely need to go to a plan in your area, even in your county. Even if you move from Northern Florida to South Florida, you need to use those 60 days to pick the right fit for you. If you're on a PPO or a supplement, that's kind of different but you definitely have to notify Medicare that you have moved and they will give you that enrollment period. They will give you those two months to, to um, make, a, make
1: a change. So what if you're outside, you didn't notify them and you're outside of that time, you still need to tell them, even if you're outside of you know, whatever 60 days, right?
2: Yeah, I, when you notify them, then the 60 days start. So let's say you moved, okay. you didn't know, and two months go by, once you call them, that's when the 60 days start. OK, so it's once okay. you notify them, you have that period um, to switch. But definitely if you move, you need to see what the best option now for is in your area. It might just be to stay where you're at. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to switch, but you should consider what options are out there, because, again, there's some states that have more, you um, access to care, that have uh, plans with richer benefits, lower copains, and you might be missing out because you're comfortable with what you have right now. So you just, I'm not saying leave your plan. You just have to analyze it and see what's the best fit for you. It might just be to stay where you're at, you know, but you definitely have to consider it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, 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 you know, not to be unkind to insurance companies, but insurance companies are going to look for ways not to pay And if there's some sort of requirement in your plan that says you have to notify them within a certain amount of days once you move addresses, you know, then they could try not to cover some things for a short period of time or a long period of time. So being open and telling people that that's what's important um, for these situations. I will tell you, too, Maureen, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alabama because that's where my my husband's uh, uh, company is headquartered there. And everything flows through Florida Blue anyway. Um, So Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida may already know because if your providers here are submitting bills, it's flowing through Florida Blue anyway. So you may not have as much of an issue as you're concerned about. But the moral of the story is, yes, tell your insurance company, tell Medicare, tell Social Security. Tell yeah, them where it, you are in the world.
2: It's just a matter, of, at the end of the day, where you're at might be the best option. It's just a matter of just yeah. making sure it is, you know? And if it is, right. please, you stay where you're at. You know what I mean? But just, you should consider it, you know, to make sure you maximize all the options you have when when you moved, you know? And what is best yeah. for you.
1: Absolutely. Linda Pulaski was asking about income limits for, for Medicaid. And uh, Linda, yes, Medicaid is linked to the Um, poverty level um, that is set every year. It's based on how many people are in your household. It's set by the the state. Um, um, So everything from Medicare flows flows through that. Um, But as Viviana shared earlier, qualifying for Medicaid has a bunch of different tiers. You may qualify for lots of assistance. You might qualify for somewhat less assistance, just depending on how much money um, you make. Um, Yeah.
2: And, and, If in your state you have the marketplace or Obamacare, you know, you can input your um, your household income, your your information, and they they could let you know and and refer you to Medicaid. So that could be a good source. You know, you just go into the marketplace. I live in Florida. You can do that. Um, and just go in, you put what you make, and they tell you, yes, reach out to to Medicaid. Or you just go directly um, to the Medicaid office in your state and check.
0: Another question that we are getting is about pre-existing conditions. Can you talk a little bit about how pre-existing conditions play into Medicare and Medicaid?
2: With Medicare Advantage plans, you have nothing to worry about. They're not going to ask you anything. Um, up until two years ago, the only thing that would ask if you were on dialysis, but that was it. But from two years ago, like nothing. Medicare Advantage plan, as long as you do it in the enrollment period, you're okay. Supplement plans is different. Supplement insurance is a private insurance plan. It's more like a gap insurance. So the regulations are different. When you are first in Medicare, um, they give you um, what is called a guaranteed issue enrollment. So you can join in and they're not going to ask you. Any medical questions. But let's say you first join a Medicare Advantage plan and a year later you want to explore a supplement, they will ask you medical questions. So that's why, always when somebody's aging into Medicare or they're new to Medicare, I feel it's my responsibility to talk to them about supplements because that's their one opportunity where they won't be asked any medical questions. If they want to do it later, yes, they will be asked medical questions. They could be rated up. They could be denied. But again, that's the only um, type of plan. Medicare banishments, don't even worry about it. You're going to be able to join. They won't ask anything.
1: Are there limits on raising premiums or are insurance companies just allowed to raise premiums whenever they want? I
2: don't think there are limits. But the thing is, since there are so many insurance companies, they kind of keep themselves, each other in check. So if there's one that... Races it a lot, and then nobody else does. Then everybody's gonna gonna go to that other company. You know what I mean? So it kind of like, at least on my experience, I never heard gotten like um, a bunch of phone calls of people like, "Oh my god, they raced this so much!" You know, because they kind of keep each other in check. They're kind of in a way competing against each other. So um unless there's like a race across the board, everybody, I don't think just one insurance company is gonna race it. So I don't, I don't see that a lot.
0: I really don't. Abigail, Viviana, and all of our guests who were submitting questions, thank you so much for making this such a rich podcast webinar episode and really helping us get the information out there to the people who need it the most. For those of you who are new to survivingbreastcancer.org and Breast Cancer Conversations, please hop over to survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events for the lineup of our weekly support groups. We have weekly Movement Monday classes, art therapy classes, expressive writing classes, Zumba, meditation, breast cancer book clubs where we don't read anything that has to do with breast cancer. Really, we are just your virtual platform and community to assist you through day one and beyond, which we are calling survivorship. And don't forget, every other Sunday we have our NBC series, so you can always tune in and find out more again at survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events. And thank you all for listening and tuning in week after week here on Breast Cancer Conversations. Please be mindful that all of our content and information is for educational purposes only and is never a substitute for medical advice. If you want to hang out, again, please check out survivingbreastcancer.org forward slash events where you can RSVP to our Thursday Night Thrivers weekly meetup, our Movement Monday classes, workshops, seminars, and so much more. We can also continue the dialogue online via social media. Our Instagram handle is survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word, and you can follow us on Twitter at SBC underscore ORG. Until next time, keep on thriving.